Hello everyone, this is the Neighborhood Hype Girl and welcome to episode 3 of By the Order, a podcast where I discuss each episode of the amazing show Peaky Blinders. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're returning, I am so grateful that you're here. So now it's time to sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. It's time to recap episode three of Peaky Blinders. Today, I am joined by a very special guest. She's one of my favorite people I've never met. (laughs) And I can't wait for the day that we do finally meet because it is definitely happening. You can find her on Instagram under the handle Spilling the Tea with Reese. And I'm not joking when I say she's one of our nation's finest educators and one of the realest of the real and one of my favorite people on a very short list. Her name is Kristen, and I'm so excited that she's here. Hi, Kristen. Hi. Oh, my gosh. I'm so incredibly excited to be here because, you know, you and I share this love of the Peaky Blinders, and it's just it's amazing. It, I am so glad you're here. I'm so grateful that you are taking time out of your day on this Sunday to be here. I really am. Um, okay, y'all, listen up. If y'all could see mine and Kristen's <laughs> DM, just in general, but if you could hear, <laughs> if y'all we could are, hear we, our voice we are hilarious. If <laughs> <laughs> you could hear our voice messages and our DMs about Killian Murphy and just really about the show you would just laugh so hard and probably think that we're crazy. Um, but I mean, we kind of are. love that we have for this type of show, like this show, but just even the British culture in general, like, so. Absolutely. I mean, it was destined that we were to be friends to be able to discuss the show because the love that we have for this is crazy. Yes, me and Kristen were already buddies because of other subjects. We literally met on Instagram, and I'm so grateful. That's one of the best things (laughs) about this account is truly the connections that I make and making friends. Like, I legitimately consider Kristen my friend. Like, we talk all the time. We talk all the time. It's great. Yes, and Kristen, fun fact, just got to see my face for the first time. And (laughs) She's so gorgeous. Stop. No, So gorgeous, and I'm so honored. I thank you. So are you. <laughs> You're stunning. And oh, I am so excited to do this. Here we are. I was telling her we're just two two American girls discussing a very, <laughs> very British show. And um, I am constantly having to Google terms and slang because yes. I am not from there. And I truly, like all jokes aside, um, I have nothing but respect. I We are both Anglophiles. We love everything British. Mm-hmm. And um want truly want to do this with nothing but respect so we're doing our best here and um yeah no I know Kristen totally feels the same way so let's get to it girl let's dig in all right Kristen has her notes I have my notes we're back in college decades later and um (laughs) many decades for me not not so much for you I have several decades you know it's been a while I've been rusty but I literally (laughs) feel like I'm getting some kind of like masters or something with the amount of notes I'm taking. So let's do it. Today we are reviewing episode three. It is like every other episode. It's a lot. It's busy. So much happens. And Kristen and I were just talking about how this show I think is so intentional because, and it's so, I think unique because every single thing that's done, it's like, it has to be mentioned because 
everything comes back to make full circle and it answers a question that maybe was in an episode before or in the same episode and not every show does that isn't that so annoying it is it is it is and I think with this show in particular the the connections that each episode has with and like you just said those small things it literally ties it all together and you said in a previous podcast that you know there's only six episodes per season and so and it is busy and there's a lot of things going on but it's really interesting how everything just ties in so beautifully together and it's really subtle too very yes yes no that's I I can't that is one thing I'll never get over like so many other shows like there are at least eight eight or ten episodes per season we only have in the you know in the UK there are six more episodes but there are only 36 episodes to this entire Mm -hmm. series and then a movie is coming out and so much happens there is so much change so much character development and I think that's just part of the magic of this show is that there really isn't a lot but there's so much material in each one so once again we have a lot to cover in this one episode we both have our notes so here we go so Episode three starts with Tommy walking into a bar and he asks for a bottle of whiskey and three glasses. And Grace kind of, you know, tells him in a joking way that she's not going to the races unless he gives her another two pound 10 shilling. And Good he for says, her. Yeah, yes, girl, get that. Literally get it, yes. That coin. And he tells her he's already given her three. And then she says, how much do those suits you wear cost? And Touché. yeah, no, he says, I don't pay for suits. My suits are on the house or the house burns down. Okay. Rude, but also alpha male gangster stuff. I don't very know. alpha male, very alpha male. It's Kristen. That's my vibe. Like I need somebody that matches this energy. I know. Right though. I like that kind of bad boy vibe esque type of deal. Bravely. So I know. <laughs> I don't know what to say. I don't, yeah. Okay, well, I'll pray for myself. We'll discuss it. In yeah, I'll pray for I... you too. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk about it in therapy when I finally find one. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you know, she says, do you want me looking like a flower girl? And Tommy says, what I want makes no difference. It's not me you're dressing up for. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we still don't really know what Grace's role is going to be. He's keeping it very, very mysterious. We're still like, what's going on? You keep talking about it for like an episode and a half. What's happening? So then we see Tommy with two men in the, you know, the side room of the garrison pub where he and the Peaky Blinders always are. And one of the guys says he's kind of nervous to be there, but he's there to discuss business. And he's there to discuss business concerning the factory down the road at the BSA, which stands for Birmingham Small Arms Company, Mm -hmm. which is something we hear about throughout the entire episode. Right. And he says, you know, most of the paint shop there is Irish in a big old place like that. Rumors get started. And the other guy chimes in and says rumors of a robbery. And this kind of piques Tommy's interest. And then we see Grace listening on the other side of the door. And she's there doing her job. And the guy says, guns, Mr. Shelby, a serious amount of guns. So, I really like how I'm sorry I didn't no, mean to no, you're not. but I really like how 
the cinematography of this whole thing, just the back and forth, the close-ups of Killian's face to the gentleman he's talking to. I mean, and this the stoic look that he has when he's asking that question. And I mean, it there's the man could play poker for days because he had no kind of like reaction or emotion to what he said. And I think that really plays into Killian Murphy as an actor is that the way that he's able to like deliver a scene, deliver a line, give a look, it's just, it's so poignant. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Um, and you know what, Kristen, we're going to go off topic for a second because you and I okay. have had so many conversations about Let's do not it. only, not only how I want to make clear, Kristen and I think <laughs> Killian is one of the most beautiful, gorgeous humans to ever exist. He is. And the bone structure and it's the eyes. And I think, honest to God, like when I saw this show, it took it took the pandemic for me to slow down and to binge movies. And this was one of those that I've heard about for so long. And this is this this show has been on for a decade, right? Yes. yes. And so I was like, oh, how have I not sat down? This checks off every single box of the things that I love. And so when I saw him, I was like, First of all, A, who is this? I literally stopped the show and I'm like Googling him because I thought, why have I never seen this man before? Like, uh, yes. what is going on here? I and agree. so Same. he just, I mean, and then there's all these movies. There's a plethora of movies he's been in. And I'm like, how have I not, like, what is going on here? How have I not seen these things? So there's been a binge of Killian Murphy for a little bit of time now totally saying this show has sent me in just to a spiral of his of his filmography um and while he is one of the most gorgeous people truly to ever exist i mean you can't the cheekbones i think i have such an appreciation for bone structure because i really don't have any and so whenever i see somebody (laughs) that looks like that i'm like who gave you the permission i know who, Who gave you the permission to look like that? Because I don't have it either. I don't have I the, like that shake, kind of structured face. Girl, I want to just walk up to his parents and shake their hands and say thank you. That's you what did I a great job. You like, did a great job. How, how does that happen? So not only is he beautiful, truly gorgeous, but I want I don't want that to people to think that, oh, we like him just because of that. This show, no. I have seen him. I saw him in Red Eye. I saw him in Inception. And I truly hate to say that those are kind of the only shows I've ever seen him in. And I know I saw him in nothing. Like I've not watched any of those movies up until I did a binge. I feel like he's very, and I really, I might be wrong y'all to everybody listening. I know he's huge in Ireland, huge in Europe. Um, He lives in Ireland. He refuses to move to LA, which I absolutely absolutely love for him he refuses I adore to that social. yeah like it's like this is about the art this is not about the fame this is not about all that he refuses to be on social media which I love and love it I totally I respect it if I was famous I've said multiple times I would never have social media because I would be so right. desperate to protect my family myself my because privacy. Already get all of me right right and so um this show I just want to say with the utmost respect because by the chance that this ever we're going to manifest this Kristen that this we podcast are. and this episode will make <laughs> it to Killian's beautiful ears attached to his beautiful head and 
I respectfully want to say that because I have watched so many of his shows since finishing this um, series. Oh, me too. Me too. And I'm not saying he's not a great actor. I am not saying that. Obviously, I'm not. And I'm not trying to insult the other roles, but I feel like this is one of maybe three of three or four roles that make him literally transform and something he can sink his teeth into literally like when I heard how he talks normally Kristen compared to his baritone and he keeps like like, how did you whenever you saw how he talked and like his mannerisms who he is as a person versus Tommy Shelby like what did you think I was just like oh you are so like he just seems really calm and yes. really like relaxed and there's this like intellect about him like as he you know goes to answer a question and he you know is thoughtfully thinking about it I just it was very everything was just very I don't know tranquil. his mannerisms very tranquil very graceful the way he moved from one thing to the next and I'm just like I feel like because the evolution of Tommy throughout the entire season like the way he's evolved this character is just amazing absolutely simply amazing yeah no and I, I think agree. with this particular role there's a lot um, of intensity that he has to like delve into I mean I can't imagine what the set seems like you know like right. everything is sometimes so very intense that I you just kind of wonder how do they break out of that intensity once the scene is over oh god no I I totally totally because they're so intense yeah, uh, yeah, no, like, I'm like, how do they, how are they just like, oh, cut, and then you're like, oh, hey, what's for lunch? Like, yeah, yeah what's for lunch after, yeah, after somebody just used their hat to slice somebody, it's like, yeah, what's for lunch? You got a hot dog? I mean, yes. it's just like, how do you even flip the script, turn, you know, switch? I'm like, yes. oh my gosh. No, I totally agree. It wasn't until I really started watching interviews and seeing like how truly soft-spoken he is everything about his posture whenever he sits it's so and again I know he's not Tommy Shelby I know he's not the actor but when you see just everything like he literally has like a false baritone in the show which in real Mm -hmm. life very soft-spoken yes Um, and he always sits and like arms are crossed legs across you know it's always and that's a very protective state like when you do that Yes. Um, you know, psychology, it's like, that's like a way of protecting yourself. Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, it's always really interesting to see how he sits in an interview, because that's what he does. And you can see that he's carefully, you know, thinking about his answers, like protecting, you know, so he he's always kind of in that protective state. Right? No, I think that that's also kind of like, I mean, again, protecting, just like you said, protecting his life, and then just really I'm not saying he doesn't enjoy the interviews. I'm just saying that it's probably something that isn't his favorite, like, but it's part mm-hmm. of the job. So that's why right. he's just so soft-spoken. And I think the thing that, well, one of the many things that how he transformed into Tommy Shelby was the way that he walks and his posture is yes. so unlike him. It, I mean, it is just, try walking like that, listeners. Seriously, try, if you watch the show, try to mimic Tommy Shelby's walk and how stiff it is, how his arms are out. Like, it's a workout, I guarantee you. It is. Like, arms, yeah, the arms are out. The head's kind of, like, down. But you're, like, looking up at the same time. And it's just this kind of, like, alpha male-esque type of walk where it's just, you know, 
showing that dominance it is yes. it's like a, it is a workout to try to do it really is I absolutely and then you know what Kristen I'm gonna say something which I don't know if we've talked about but so their haircut the Peaky Blinders oh, respectfully yeah. it's stupid right uh, yeah well they invented that but they did the haircut for the show like that's yes. not a haircut that they would have done then but yeah it's for the show so it's stupid and I of course it's for the show but okay I'm gonna say something but I feel like it works for Killian I do too like his and hair I feel like life is shaggy but I'm like very I shaggy like clean cut Killian like it I do a whole different vibe well, it it shows that facial that structure a little yes. bit better. You know what? You know, it it highlights the like the face because they do a lot of close ups on his face, right? So having that hair away um, so really right. shows that that bone structure, the eyes. You you know because he does in real life has that shaggy hair, which I yes. think also works for him. But I think like season three where the haircut's not so severe, mm-hmm. um, it looks really good. Yes. No, you know what? You're exact. That's literally a light bulb moment for me. It's like the hair is competing with his bone structure. Mm-hmm. It's like, even if he was, would be bald, it's like, it would be better. Cause it's like, okay, now we can focus on that, that money maker. Um, but they all, so they all have it, but I mean, cause they do a lot of close-ups. And so when you have that hair, all that hair, and if you notice like the women are also the hairs off the face as well, like it's not on their face. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it might just be like, just to be able to get those close-ups and just really to see the whole face, the the reaction, the emotion. Yes. No, that's that's what I'm going with. I agree with you. I do agree with you on that. (laughs) I really do. All of it's correct. (laughs) Um, um, Okay. Sorry, y'all. We had to go on that tangent. We had to go down a tangent. There's no way that she and I could do this podcast without swooning over him. And honestly, Mm -hmm. we could go on for hours, but for the, for time's sake, for the sake of purposes, we'll yep. continue. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay. So we're talking about Tommy's poker face. And basically, he, like, gaslights these guys, right? And he says, what is this robbery, these guns? What does this have to do with me? And the guys say that the men on the night shift are saying the Peaky Blinders took them. And he says, maybe your guys are dreaming. And then one of them says... "Um." if you were to hear about the whereabouts of said items, they would pay good money. Right. And Tommy kind of laughs and says, you have good money. And then the guy says, we have collections from the pubs. And Tommy says, for who do you speak? And one guy says the people of Ireland and the other man kind of bows up and says the Irish Republican army. I think he didn't know what it was. (laughs) Right. Like I'm pretty sure Tommy knows. And I thought this scene was kind of funny. Um, And then Tommy says, for a fact. And then the man says, for an effing fact. And Tommy just stares at him, kind of, you know, just not reacting. And the guy says, you think we're jokers. And Tommy has that, you know, poker face. Stoic face. Stoic face. You're not going to shake me and says, I'm not laughing. And this is super i mean it's not supposed to be funny but it just is because he's so dry then this guy gets super intense and starts singing i'm going to call it a song i hope that i don't know if it has a like an official name but it's a song that is pro ira Mm -hmm. and he's getting super excited and he's leaning over the table and almost in tommy's face and his friend is trying to calm him down and the guy finishes singing and just 
looks this guy dead in the face like with no emotion and says bravo (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why that sent me girl well it makes me laugh because i feel like every time my student goes to tell me a story and it's like so exaggerated and it's like you know they're animated and it's it's cute but then you're like great job and you need to move on like let's have a seat sir have a seat have a seat Take several seats, babe. Love you, but I we, let's move on. Yes. So that's why that one sent me because I'm like I, I do the same thing in class. Like they go off, and I'm like, good job. It was so funny. I don't know. Yeah. No, I'm glad that you kind of thought it was too because it was too funny. So then we cut to Grace. She's still behind the bar, and um, the guy who was singing, you know, Tommy walks out of that room, and the guy who was singing is being pushed out of the pub by his friend. You can tell his friend is kind of embarrassed and is like annoyed yeah Mm -hmm. like like cut the show tunes let's get out and then grace is being cheeky and she says i thought you only allowed singing on saturdays and their banter is so cute i oh my god are you kidding me like their banter is so cute if y'all okay once again if you've been (laughs) following me for a while y'all know how i am about relationships and men but this banter is so fun like if the banter isn't this I don't want it anyways right I just I need to stop um so Grace asks what her countrymen want and Tommy says that they're nobodies that they drink at a pub called the Black Swan in Sparkbrook and that they're only rebels because they like the songs Grace says that their accent is so thick that she was surprised that Tommy could understand them she asks if he has sympathies with them, and he says, I have no sympathies of any description. Mm-hmm. Grace offers to translate for him next time they meet. She kind of jokingly offers, and then he says, you'd work for me? And she says, I thought I already was. And then Tommy kind Love of goes, you know, has that little ha-ha. Like, Smirk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I knew you were going to. And he says, ha, ah, so you are coming with me to the races. And then he proceeds to give our girl her two pound, 10 shilling raise out of his pocket. As he should have. Absolutely. As you do when asked by a lady, especially whenever she's helping working, he places it on the bar and he tells her to buy something red to match his scarf. And again, there's so mystery there, right? Right. We have no idea what she's doing. Yeah. No, we're like, who, who, who's scarf? And again, Grace says, who's Scarf? And Tommy, of course, walks out without answering because that's what Tommy Shelby does. So then in the next scene, we see Freddie Thorne standing there smoking and checking his pocket watch. He's dressed really nice, has his top hat on. And then this is an episode of our beautiful cinematography and music that Uh. Kristen and I love so much. So, Kristen, do you know what happens next? You remember? They, this is where he goes to meet Ada. Yep, and Ada's running to him, and I love how she's. You don't see who it is. You see, well, at first you don't even really see that it's Freddie. You see somebody smoking, mm-hmm. and then it comes. You see this, you know, person running. This woman running. You know, she has all white on. You see this veil. Like it's just the flow, the slow motion. Yes, the, just the colors of how things were. It was just all so brilliant. And then when you see them meet together, you're just like, oh, you know, because she's so incredibly happy. He's incredibly happy, and um, it's just a really, it's just a really great um, scene there between the two of them. It was the way that they film flowing clothing from, uh, from their coats to the women's dresses, dresses, uh, and that the scene, costumes just, are just amazing in this uh, whole thing. 
they're so i mean they're brilliant perfection literal perfection and whenever she was running again it was almost like ethereal just like the music that was combined with the slow-mo in her clothes right absolutely it was so beautiful and she runs up to freddie and you're right they're so happy and he asks her are you mad and for americans like that means are you crazy Mm -hmm. and he says are you mad and she says yeah mad as hell with all of them Mm-hmm. And they kiss and they tell each other that I love you. And she says, the more they try and stop us, the madder I'll be. And he tells her, come on, princess, the vicar's waiting. Mm-hmm. And he goes to pull her away to go, you know, get married. And she asks him how she looks. And he just smiles at her adoringly and says, like an angel. Oh, it's so sweet. It is. It's a very honest, pure moment. Between it is. So then we see Campbell, which, by the way, tell me your thoughts on Campbell. Like, Ugh. I just need to know. Isn't he disgusting? I can't deal with him. I just, I, everything about him is so smarmy and it's just so, ugh. And this, this thing that he has with Grace, like, I just, disgusting. it's disgusting. Cause there's almost like this father, like, he's praying you know, on her presence. under the guise of but like, then, oh, I care about yes. you, like your father. Like, no. Yes. And there's, like, this father, like, presence. But then there's also this kind of slimy, I like, I want to be with you kind of presence. And that's gruff. Like, it, it just, I don't, I don't care for him <laughs> at all. Same, no, same. And that just goes Ugh. to show how good writing and acting is. Like, whenever I yes. always think, like, when I want to punch my TV, do you know what I mean? I'm like, that's yes. how good this acting and writing is that it is that it is eliciting that type of response from me response from me yes if I'm having this type of reaction to a specific character I'm like a the writing is great and b this actor is great to pull it off because oh my gosh when I tell you I have not liked this character from the get-go and then when I found out like he and Grace were working together I was like oh "Oh," because that kind of like broke my heart with great I'm like oh great oh, I was so great. mad I was like I was rooting I thought for you, you were like oh I was rooting for you and then you're working with this slime ball I'm like no that's <laughs> not what's happening like I'm literally having conversations with the tv yeah no I was so heartbroken I felt betrayed myself like I was a Shelby I, I know I, me too I'm like how could you do this to us I felt like it was just not attacked honestly. attacked so we see Campbell sitting at his desk and then Sergeant Moss who is portrayed by Tony Pitts and I I I think he does a great job I love Sergeant Moss even though he is a corrupt police officer um I think that Tony Pitts does an amazing job so and walks Sergeant Moss and whenever he does Campbell is reading a little piece of paper and Campbell asks Sergeant Moss about the Black Swan because he's gotten intelligence that it is a place where IRA IRA men gather. Moss says it's a place for drunken navigators to sing songs and that the IRA wouldn't go near them. Then Campbell asks, then why are they looking into buying guns? And then... Moss, Moss asks if Campbell has names and then you know Campbell gets smart and says must she do everything for you mm-hmm. which was it's so rude it's so condescending the way that he treats everyone and it, it's every I was gonna say everybody it's just this condescending to it's everyone all insecurity right it's all fragile yes. toxic masculinity mm-hmm. him trying to prove that he's toxic. like 
you know, it. Dominant. Yes, everybody. There's no need to talk to somebody like that. And then Campbell says that a woman has done more than Moss's great lumps of men, which is so insulting. And Moss clarifies mm-hmm. that they're not spies, they're regular police officers, and that they can only act if a crime has been committed. And Moss suggests sending a copper to the Black Swan to ask questions, and Campbell is condescending and shuts him down and says it's not a good tactic because it will send them into hiding. And this is the moment that I love. Do you know what, do you remember what Moss says back to him? I don't. I don't. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Here we go. But I love this. So get ready. Just buckle up. Which I don't, it's not even that big of a deal. I just love it because it's like, (laughs) so Moss says his tactics came from his experiences in France and that most of his great lumps of men served in France. And so you know what he's insinuating, right? Yes. Oh, I remember. Yes. Okay. It's a lot to remember. It's, so he says that and then Campbell of course feels attacked because a hit dog will holler and he says I serve my country every day every and dismisses Moss I remember that. Mm-hmm. which I love that from Moss I mean it was just you know it was a good moment it yeah, was he might be corrupt but the thing is though there's a tinge small bit of him that is like fights you know against what Campbell is doing which I kind of like yeah small tinge small See. but but it's there but it's there it's there so then we get to a a a big moment because it's it's a very climactic scene so we see grace watching um a scene from outside the black swan and she sees one of the men that was in the garrison talking to tommy and he's outside and he's i would say staggering drunk Mm -hmm. um is lighting a cigarette and he's walking away she follows him and you know, to a not so good part of town and he disappears and she continues watching and the man catches her off guard and grabs her and slams her against a wall. And it's a scary, it's a scary moment. Did that moment like give you anxiety? Like as a woman watching that, I was like, it did because I'm like, Oh, you are approaching this man by yourself. Number one, in a really not so great area. And then he's just, like you said, stumbling drunk. Cause that's what he was doing. I mean, he was, just stumbling drunk and you go to approach him and then like she was bold in that moment honestly yes, she was, she was very bold because you don't know what would have happened a girl she don't i don't think she knew it was going to happen could as we me. see a little bit later her reaction yes yeah no that was uh she had some brass ones in that scene because i would be too scared i could not go without backup i think i was even yelling like don't go girl don't go don't go what are you doing what are you doing stop 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 yeah no seriously I was panicking and um he slams her up against a wall and he asks her if she fancies him and asks if she's a copper and she fights back she slaps his face and he grabs her and calls her a proddy he calls her a proddy bitch and a proddy is a slang term for protestants by irish catholics so Mm -hmm. I'm learning something new every day because I didn't know that and he holds a gun to her face and tells her he's taking in for interrogation on behalf of the Irish Free State. And making a citizen's arrest while you're drunk. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> okay, Kristen. So tell us what happens next. What is Grace? So do? they are fighting. Like she, so, you know, I like a girl who can defend herself. So she, you know, went to fight back. 
I yes. you know me. I like a girl who can defend herself. <laughs> and so she's fighting story. against her. I know, I know. I'm not going to so but I'm just <laughs> love a woman who woman who can defend herself. Yes, God is a woman. Yes. And so she's fighting against him, right? She's fighting and fighting and he's struggling and he brings out a gun, right? And so she's struggling with him and all of a sudden the gun goes off and she shoots him. And what's so eerie is that there is somebody actually watching as this is happening. Now we can't see who's watching, we don't know who's watching, and we really don't even know if the person saw Grace's face because there's you know, clothes up on the clothesline. So she sees right. this person, this woman, you know, um, shoot this man and he's laying there dead. And so she just then takes off and she goes back to her place. Yes, and what I thought was so brilliant, and it's really not because it's, all, I feel like a lot of the time it's like, the smallest things are the most brilliant or most inventive was that she shot him th- like with her own gun through her purse. Yes. Which was yes. like, so like, you know, people are going to think like, Oh, it's a little woman with her purse, what she's going to do. Like, no, she's packing no. and she just killed this scumbag. And um, yeah, that was a very powerful scene, a very panicked scene mm-hmm. for myself. And I'm sure a lot of people um, watching it was, you know, because it turns her too, because I don't think um, in any of the previous jobs prior that this was something she had to do. So you see in her reaction when she gets back to her place, yes. um, how she feels about it. So obviously you can tell this was something, this is the first time she'd ever done something like that. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, killing somebody, even if it's in self-defense, changes you. I do believe that. Um, and we'll definitely see that on Grace for sure. Mm-hmm. So in the next scene, Tommy walks into his house and Polly's standing there and she looks worried and serious and she asks if he's armed and he says no and she says, okay, then mm-hmm. I can tell you. And she tells him that Ada and Freddie are now married and that they defied his orders. They didn't leave town and she says she'll deal with it. Yeah. And Tommy is pissed off. They're trying his patience, you know. Um, he's trying... He's trying to save him. He's trying to save, and he's trying to save Freddie. I mean, because obviously there is a connection with them from when they were younger, right? Yes. And so he sees this friend um, who's in trouble, who's going to be in trouble, lots of trouble. And you know, one of the things that he had promised the coppers was that he'd get them get him out of town, and that's really honestly to save Freddie's life. And now that Ada and Freddie are married, it's he's trying to save his sister. Correct. you know as well he's trying to make it so nobody's going to get hurt yes and, and everybody seems to be fighting against him on that situation yes and it's just like so infuriating because there are all these things and tommy has it all worked out in his head but it's like he can't share that with anybody so nobody truly understands like the gravity of the situation you know mm-hmm. which is annoying it's like tommy just tell people and so he finally does he finally tells polly i promised freddie wouldn't come back and Polly says, promised who? And Tommy says, I promised the coppers Freddie wouldn't come back. It was part of the deal. And this makes Polly mad. She says, what bloody deal? What happened to family votes? What happened to meetings? Mm-hmm. She says, if you let me deal with Ada and Freddie, it will end in peace. Christ knows you've had your fill of war. And then Tommy tells her to get Freddie out of town or he'll deal with it himself. And then... Um, yeah, it's just, that was just really like, oh my God. (laughs) 
But it also, it goes back to that, out. what you said earlier was, you know, he thinks so others don't have to, right? Yes. And so what he's plagued with is this, like, level of intelligence that he has compared he's to so all those smart. around him. He is so yes. smart. And I yes. yes. And so he has this level of intelligence that really is plaguing him um, because he thinks about that bigger picture of the situation, whereas... I think others just the moment, right? And so he and him telling Polly, like finally telling her is a way of like, I, I need to release some of this burden off of me so that at least somebody knows what's going on, right? Yeah. And so him doing that kind of, you know, takes that burden away from him. So as that's one thing he doesn't have to continue to keep worrying about. But obviously, you know, he's going to. Yeah, no, absolutely. And one of the things that God, there are so many one liners in this show that I think, like, I have this like mental, like Rolodex of like, quotes that are just iconic for me that and so many of those come from Peaky Blinders. And mm -hmm. Polly tells him, if you let me deal with Ada and Freddie, it will end in peace. Christ knows you have had your fill of war. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, God, that's so powerful. Like, not just war on the battlefield, but just the war within himself, his own yes. mind, everything, you know, like, yes, it shook me. So well, I love when he's, I love when she says though, you know, like, why do you want to know where they are? He's like, so I can send them freaking flowers. Why do you want, <laughs> what do you think? Like, I love that. Yeah. He's like, you know, it's like one of those, like you break it up with that, that kind of funny, like one liner. Cause I want to send them flowers. Like, what do you think I want to know? Right. Why do you think I want to know where they are? Cause I want to chase That was like, down. great. Right. It was just, it was great. It was just a great, like, little moment. It is. It, you know, it wasn't supposed, I don't think, it's, like, not, like, you know, comedically funny, like, you know, right out, but it just, it kind of gives that, that little hint of, like, well, duh, like, why, why don't, why don't you think, I mean, why do you think I want to know where they are? Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, they have a way of just kind of sneaking in little, little zingers in there that are, um, yes. <laughs> That do that kind of make you like laugh for a second. There, you're like, so it's so intense, and then they like a little one liner like that, and you're like, start laughing because you're like, oh my god, that was that was actually funny. <laughs> yes, no, I totally agree. I love that because we need that in this very serious. Yes. Show. Oh my gosh. So then we get to Grace in her room, who is um shooketh. She is Girl. shooketh, as the kids would say. There's that whole like trend of like, <laughs> or whatever that caption going around, like shaking screaming vomiting like oh literally grace is shook she's vomiting she's drinking she is smoking because she is she is truly just so shook that she just took a man's yes. life even though it came down to her or him she you know it does it changes you it wears on the it soul changes you. ask Voldemort it changes you <laughs> so <laughs> that's a whole nother that's a whole nother podcast we can I do know. that's okay I know. God, I've like made several like nods to them already, but okay. <laughs> Love Harry Potter, y'all. Love Harry Potter. Okay. So, um, Moss is, Moss is briefing Campbell in the next scene on the man that was shot, uh, shot. And he says, a witness saw a young woman leaving the street where the body was found. And Moss asks if there's a connection and Campbell plays dumb. Mm -hmm. And Moss asks if there's a new policy of shoot to kill like there was in Belfast. 
And then Campbell, because, you know, he just says, the Republicans are famously factional and assure Sergeant Moss that the man was killed by one of his own. And he dismisses Moss. So then we get to this very, you know, a scene where Polly is standing in someone's house and then Ada and Tommy walk in and we realize, you know, it's, it's Tom, Freddie's house. Um, it's Freddie's. I'm so sorry. Ada and Freddie walk into Freddie's place stumbled. And uh, of course, Polly's <laughs> there dressed amazingly as always, whenever she goes out, I could never because her costumes are just incredible. Amazing. It's, Again, the costume. Ugh, just and you know what? Point. Her cheekbones. I haven't mentioned oh, that yet. I beautiful. know. Beautiful cheekbones. I know. Yes. Goals. If you have cheekbones, thank whoever you pray to. I'm um, jealous. I know. <laughs> so Freddie is mad and he asks what she's doing there. And Polly offers their pounds. And you can tell that Ada is in on it. There has been some kind of conversation that's been had. And she says they can take the money and live on a honeymoon that lasts forever. Freddie is agitated and asks where the money came from. And Polly says it came from family funds. And Freddie kind of scoffs and says, pockets of widows and desperate men, suggesting that it's dirty money. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he doesn't really want it. Polly is really trying to plead with him and says, Tommy won't let this rest communists in the family is bad for business and you have to leave and Polly says so Freddie says something like what you think I'm scared of Tommy Shelby or I can't handle him and then Polly being the queen that she is queen yes icon responds and says that even she's having trouble handling Tommy these days and that she's twice the man that Freddie is zinga yes slay 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 love that line so much and she hands him the money and a ticket and says she went and booked a boat for them. The next boat from Liverpool to New York. And Ada says, America, Freddie, they've already had their revolution. You won't have to bother. And you can tell that Freddie's just not into it. And he asks them, will you let a man sleep on it? And it's at this point where I'm just like, you know, I know Tommy wants him out for obvious reasons but like I want to know their true beef like were you wondering that too I was I was trying to figure out like what it was was it just like there's a there's this friend that's now like wanting your sister or like or is there some other kind of deep connection and I feel like there's something that happened at you know like when he went to war something was different when he yes. came back between the two of them and so, I mean, everything just changed. They, I, they, because they were buddies. Yes, I and we so we intrigued. see that later on. They were, we see that later on that they were buddies growing up. They were good friends. They were, you know, just always together. And then something happened. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that once he went off to war, something happened when he came back because it yes. was completely different, a completely different friendship. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so intrigued, and um, yeah. I I truly am wondering about that. So then we see Grace walking into the museum where, you know, her meeting place with Campbell and he scolds her and he tells her she had no business and that her job is to observe and report. And she just straight up says she decided she needed to know where that man lived. And Campbell is mad. And he says that her history basically with the IRA is clouding her judgment. 
and that according to protocol, he should take her out of the garrison pub immediately. And I think the thing is, we don't, we still don't know a lot about Grace. Like, we don't know um, a lot of of her history. And, you know, when he says your personal um, feelings towards this, and you're like, what, what happened? And then he mentions her father. Yes. And you're just like, okay, what, they killed her dad. So you're like, what is, you know, you want to know the whole story. Yeah. And we still don't know, you know, she's still kind of an enigma so to speak, as to who she really is and, like, what her motives are. Absolutely. Yeah, no, you're so right. So all we really know about Grace at this point is that she's a an operative, not a spy. An operative. Mm-hmm. And honestly, you know what? I don't know. Y'all, forgive me, because I am trying to name every actor by name. I don't know if I specified that Grace is portrayed by Annabelle Wallace, who I really do love. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if I gave, if I said her name, but if I did ignore this, but her, she is portrayed by Annabelle Wallace and I'm trying to name all of the main characters. Um, and she, yeah, no, you're right. She's an, an enigma. We know she's just beautiful. We know she's Irish. We know she's an operative and that she's there on a mission. And, um, he says that according to protocol, he should take her out of the garrison. And she says, no, we're going to the races tomorrow. And you can tell he's annoyed and anxious because that means she gets to be close to Tommy Shelby for a day. It's not because he's a dangerous man. You can tell that he's just like, ugh, you get to be around him. You know, like, it's almost right. like he's jealous of him already. <clears throat> it, it, well, yes. And you can see, yes, that's, you can see that he's not happy that she has gotten as close to Tommy as she yes. has. And then we see, you know, through the course of this particular episode, she grows even closer to him. And so, but he doesn't like it. And you can very much tell that he does not like it. Mm-hmm. And he goes, at one point he goes to grab her hands and she kind of like pulls away, you know, yeah. it just, cause she, she's getting that vibe from him also Ugh. that this does not sit right with me. And it was really interesting when she did that. Cause then you can also now start to see like his infatuation. I feel like there's an infatuation um, with her. Absolutely agree creepers just so y'all know we know whenever y'all are being creepy so just like yes. take the hint please no means no <laughs> like leave us alone <laughs> i'm sick of it yeah so um unhinged okay so <laughs> um she says to him i know because of our family history you take my progress personally but i don't need you to be my father and he says, I'll be thinking of you. And this is whenever, he, like you said, he's holding her hand and she just mm-hmm. like withdraws her hand. And that's the moment where she's like, oh, this is not good. Yeah. Not I good mean, vibes. Yeah. No, good vibes only, none detected here. And she walks out. So then we see Tommy is, it looks like Tommy might be back into the, back in the Chinese laundry from the pilot episode. Mm-hmm. Um and you see people running around with clothes and things hanging and Tommy starts touching some suits that are hanging up and one of them has the name Kimber on it and uh meaning Billy Kimber and I don't also don't think that I acknowledge he is played by Charlie Creed Miles and um the owner tells Tommy that the suit has already been sold and Tommy says he knows that And then Billy Kimber and his cronies walk up and the manager is like, please, no fighting here. And Tommy assures him that he's there in peace. 
tell me your thoughts on Billy Kimber because this is another again the whole uh. cast is just incredible he makes my skin crawl and that once again is just he is an incredible actor and he is written so well because I literally just want to punch him in the face through my teeth in the face yes Yes. um I was just gonna say this is another actor who you know portrays and acts and delivers very well because he makes you just so not like him yeah he is just such an unlikable person and the actor what okay first of all what was his what is his name his billy, name the, the who portrays billy kinder hang on I, I his name is charlie creed miles yes so he plays him so brilliantly because he makes this person so unlikable and you can tell that this is somebody even when they first met you could tell um you know, when they're sitting in that group of three, you know, he comes to the garrison and he's like, they're sitting there and you're the young one, you're the thick one. You must be the, you mm-hmm. know, the head. I mean, you can just tell he's like trying to exude this like dominance. I'm, I'm the boss. Like nobody can touch me. This very arrogant ask type of um, aura around him. It's just so slimy, so smarmy. And he is played so brilliantly by him. Truly. I mean, that guy, because I really, while I'm watching this show, I'm like, I don't think there's anybody who's more fragile than Chief Inspector Campbell. And then the universe said, say less. And they brought Psych. in Billy Kimber. Because <laughs> he literally, Kristen, he acts like a petulant child. Oh, it's awful. Throughout. I mean, like I said, from the very beginning until, oh gosh, he is just the worst and yes you think oh god they can't bring anybody in worse than campbell and the universe is like gotcha yeah god because i haven't i have another one i have another one for you because he is the worst and so to watch the interaction between and you can tell tommy's like you are disgusting oh you are absolutely the worst. and so the baiting that the baiting and the goading that he does with him is, is quite brilliant too um in certain uh certain ways and so it was it was good it, it was it was a good scene they they have really great scenes together tom and billy and so it's really i always like seeing two alphas go back and forth because oh, it's, it's also very interesting absolutely yeah so he's incredible and you're so right they do have they have great scenes together the uh manager he says please no fighting here and tommy assures him that he's there in peace mm-hmm. and Tommy uh, tells Billy that um, he knows that that suit that's hanging is for the Cheltenham races. And Billy says, how do you know? And Tommy, here we go, asserting his dominance, says, I know a lot of things. And Tommy starts talking about how the Lees will be at the races as well. And Billy basically says he isn't concerned. Billy says that the Lees will lose money and... Tommy tells him, hey, look, they're going to show up in numbers and, quote, and robbing your booking, running chalk, and rafflers. And Billy says, you think I can't handle the Lees? And Tommy is just cool as a cucumber and says, it's just a warning from a friend. But, of course, that's so loaded, right? It's not just mm-hmm. a warning. It's so loaded, yes. It's so Such much more statement. than a warning from mm-hmm. a friend. 
And as Tommy's walking off, Billy tells Tommy that if he's coming to the races to bring that pretty barmaid, and here we go, it all makes sense. Tommy says she's already invited. So that's um, where it fills in the blanks of, okay, okay, you're going to be matching his red scarf, Grace. That's why you did a red dress. Nothing to do with me. Mm, so, so very interesting. Then we see Freddie at, a, at the factory leading a meeting. And he's being cheered on. And he says to the crowd, to this rally, he says, them meeting like this is illegal because, I guess, according to the union rules, and jokes about breaking into groups of three because more than three, I guess, suggest a strike or, you know, a rally. And then a whistle blows in the background. And he says that same whistle they used to send, they used to send us over the top, they now use to break us up. And he says, before the specials get here, who wants to strike? And the men are all hyped up. They're excited. And Freddie tells them to go home and disperse the message. So that's just a little side note. And um, Tommy's walking down the street and his brother John comes up to him and tells him that the police just raided a rally at the factory and asks if he thinks that Freddie is back. And Tommy just casually tells him, I know Tommy's back. I'm sorry. I know Freddie's back and he's with Ada. And John says that Ada's with the commies. And Tommy says he just wants to know where Ada is. So this is the scene where um, we, you and I talked about, Kristen, where he says mm-hmm. John tells Tommy that he needs to have a word with Arthur as well. Because Arthur has the Flanders blues again, which is what they used to call post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, which is always a theme in this show, a devastating mm-hmm. theme, but very real and still very applicable today in 2022. So um, what ha- what effect or like PTSD in this show, did it make you see, again, I was telling Kristen, it's not that I, I PTSD is real. It's so real. It's so devastating, but I can't say that I've seen it portrayed personally in a lot of shows right. or movies. And I'm so thankful to this show because it's one of the most devastating things I've ever seen. And I'm so thankful to this show for opening my eyes up to it. Did you feel the same or have you seen this portrayed in many things? Well, I I felt like I've seen it portrayed in, you know, certain like shows, TV shows specifically, but like Grey's Anatomy, you see, um, you know, some of those uh, doctors were military doctors. And so you see that, but you don't see it as in its raw form like this in particular. And I think um, the way that we see it is so really interesting because we see the, how, um, we see how that they have to, you know, maintain their sanity through it, whether it's drinking or um, as it's, it's not snuff. What I, I'm, and it's not cocaine either. Well, actually. In, in this know. episode or like there's the brown opium the brown opium and yeah. so um so you see how they have to you know medicate basically self-medicate because yeah because they don't have no one knows really i mean they call it the flanders blues and so they don't know that this is ptsd they don't know that this is depression they don't know any of that so they're trying to self-medicate the best way to like numb that pain and so you see it in, in a really raw form you see you know, him sleeping at night and he has constant dreams, nightmares of this. It's almost like he doesn't sleep because he doesn't want to have those same reoccurring 
dreams because you see him in the tunnel quite frequently like yes. you know and you, that's where you see him con- well I mean granted he was that's where he was stationed but it's like you see this I mean it becomes dark it becomes dirty it be, you know he just has this really sad and look on his face while he's even in the you know in the tunnel and so you see him just this anguish that an angst that he has with this and it really does affect his you know um stability his mental stability through this whole thing it's so hard to watch and there will be other characters we've already seen danny Wisbang, who just whenever he's having an episode um that is you talk about acting like what was oh it like gosh. whenever they whenever they said cut on that scene like insane incredible incredible acting um and so many men in this show have that PTSD and we will mm-hmm. definitely see more of that as the series progresses so john Shelby tells Tommy he needs to go check on Arthur and we see Tommy walk into a church where it's empty except for Arthur sitting alone with a bottle of alcohol and he is just his spirit is heavy he is tired he's he defeated totally defeated and Tommy sits down and Arthur just starts talking and he says he's upset because people keep asking him questions he doesn't know the answer to questions mm-hmm. about Ada being married about where she's living who killed the patty from the black swan he doesn't know he knows none of the answers and then he says the real bomb that he drops is is it the peaky blinders that stole the guns from the bsa and tommy is silent and again plays stupid with his own brother Mm -hmm. and arthur asks him what guns tommy and Tommy says, after your beating, I thought you could use a break. And this just sends Arthur over the edge because it makes him feel like Tommy can't trust him. He can't handle things. And he says, what bloody guns? And Tommy tells him he was going to tell him. And Arthur just gets mad because he wants to know everything. And Tommy tries to calm him down by saying that he knows he's had a rough couple of years and he deserves some rest. But then they just have this really honest, raw moment whenever this is just, again, that beautiful, beautiful acting between the two of them, the intensity. And they're both just shaking and they're just realizing, you know, something's happened. We're finally coming up. And Tommy says, we've had some luck. It fell off a wagon into our laps. And all you need to know is it's us that has the machine guns now. And it's them that's in the mud. And Arthur is quiet and intense and Tommy tells him to come on that he has a surprise for him. Oh, that moment. I like how it was. It was such, I mean, to be in a church, to be drinking while while you're in a church and he's having that moment. It was almost like, you know, Arthur is truly, he's trying to find peace so badly, right? And he tries his hardest to come to grips with what's happening, what what has happened. Like you said, he went down this whole laundry list of things and he's not included in it. And for Tommy to say, look, you know, you've, you took a beating. It's time for you to rest. And that's so, I mean, that moment, it was like, not just like, I'm the head of the Peaky Blinders, but this is my brother. Yeah. My brother, and I'm saying to you, I need you to rest. Yes, it was a very 
a very human moment just between two mm-hmm. very breakable, fragile, understandably fragile people. People. Mm-hmm. It was, yeah, very, very humanizing. So they walk into the Garrison pub and Tommy reveals he's going to buy the Garrison pub for Arthur, who's always said he wanted to own a pub. And Arthur says that for sale. And Tommy just kind of says, you know, laughs and says everything is for sale. Mm -hmm. And Tommy says that the Peaky Blinders are making a lot of money these days and that they need a legit business to pass the money from the shop. And Arthur is basically like laughing and he's like, how would I know what I'm doing? And Tommy says, you spent two thirds of your life in pubs. Just pour it instead of drink it. (laughs) Busting his chops a little bit. And then the pub owner, Harry, comes out, who's a recurring character, and uh, apologizes for not hearing them come in and asks, what can I get you? And Tommy just turns around and smiles because poor Harry has no idea what a loaded question that is and that the real answer is what you can get me is the pub. Like, because I'm at Which is the pub, right. (laughs) Yeah. I don't want to drink. I want your entire pub. The whole thing. All of it. So then we get to this turning point where Tommy is walking to his car and he notices a flat tire and he's approached by Sergeant Moss, who, as a reminder, is on the Peaky Blinders payroll. Yeah, the Peaky Blinders have him in their back pocket and he jokes about the flat tire and says it's probably kids. And then he gets down to business. So just because he's on the payroll does not mean that he and Tommy are friends. And he tells Tommy that Chief Inspector Campbell wants an explanation about the rebel rouser that brought the BSA out on strike. So Tommy says he knows that Freddie's back in town and he's dealing with it. And Moss is relaying a message from Campbell to Tommy where he's saying that Campbell thought that Tommy controlled his territories. And then Moss drops the bomb that's kind of threatening and he says that he heard Ada and Freddie married. And he says something like, oh, what family you have. And he says to deliver Freddie to them or they'll take Ada in as an accomplice and she'll get four years for sedition, which is incitement of discontent or rebellions against a government. How did you feel whenever he threatened to take Ada in? Well, I, I almost didn't even take it as a threat. I took it as this is a warning as to for him mm-hmm. to say, listen, this is what could be happening. Right. If you don't get this this guy out of town. And I, I almost don't I didn't take it as a threat. Okay. As I took it as a kind of a heads up. Okay. Okay. You know what? I like that point of view better. Okay. I like that. I received Because, that. you know, because <laughs> because him being on the payroll, not being on the payroll, it was like him coming to Tommy to say, Listen, this is the deal. This is what? the heads up. Yeah. And so I took it as a, a heads up to him that if he's not, this is what will be happening. Okay, you know what? So I like get your interpretation you, better. I like that. So, this so cool. get get it together. Get it together because this is what's going to happen. Okay. I really do like that better. That makes me feel better because it's like, hey, look, I'm on your payroll too. Here's a heads up. Okay, totally yeah. agree with you now. I scratch my opinion, y'all. y'all. I, I agree with Kristen. <laughs> Honestly, I love it. Well, yeah, because I was just like, you know, I respect somebody giving you a heads up on something when something's going down. So I felt like, you know, him doing the tires, it was a way of getting him coming over to talk to him, one. So it looked like legit, right? And then it was basically, you know, this is what we hear. This is what's going to be probably happening. Get it together. Totally agree. Thank you for that. 
And then next, Kristen, is probably um, one of my favorite scenes from this episode because it answers the question for us. So we see Ada running. She's panicked. She's pregnant. She's running to the garrison asking if anybody has seen Freddie or Tommy because she's like, okay, it's not a good she idea. She knows. Neither one of them is found. Yes, she knows what's happening. And then it cuts to Tommy crouched down and Freddie is standing over him with a gun to his head. And Tommy tells Freddie, we need to talk and asks Freddie what he wants. And Freddie says, I came to tell you that's not going to work, Tommy. And he throws the 200 pounds and the boat tickets on the ground in front of Tommy. Tommy's Bold. still watching. I know. He's like, nope, psych, not doing it. You're not going to tell me what to do. Tommy says, your honesty is appreciated. Now, if you're not going to use that thing, talking about the gun, and then he stands mm-hmm. up. Freddie tells Tommy that he's not finished and to sit back down and tells, he to ask Tommy about the guns, basically. Tommy tries to distract him by talking about when they were little boys, and Freddie isn't to be swayed. Distracted. He's not yeah. trying to be distracted from the situation. Yeah, he's not having any of it. And he says he's there to talk about business. Tommy continues and then knocks the gun out of Freddie's hand and knocks Freddie over. And then before you know it, Tommy is standing over Freddie pointing a gun and Freddie is on the ground pointing a gun up at Tommy. And you can just, you can feel the tension Mm -hmm. between these two because it's like, okay, are either one of you actually going to do this to each other? Like, are you actually going to pull the trigger and kill like this person that was like a brother to you? Right. So you, you do, you see that intense like stare and stare down like is this happening and you know freddie is after tommy had talked about like you remember as kids we used to jump into the what whatever and you can tell like that kind of you know it does he does he, freddie's tr- not trying to be distracted but it does kind of throw him a little bit and so you see him like looking at tommy like i was your friend you know yes. i like this and and tommy looking at him the same way so it's really it's really a very interesting scene it really is. You can just tell, you can feel that there's so much history and love and so much loss there. And this was a light bulb moment, which I think is how they wrote it. Because it finally answers the question of what Tommy's beef is with Freddie. And yeah. as Tommy is, you know, they're sitting there, laying there and standing there holding these guns to each other. And Tommy says, and I quote, you loaded Ada with your bastard baby because she's a Shelby. You thought it would mean you'd be somebody. I won't let you F up my sister's life for your cause. Woo! Yes. Finally answered. And you know, have you ever heard that quote? It's literally one of my favorites in the world. And it says, the greatest misunder... I'm sorry. The greatest distance between two people is a misunderstanding. Misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what that was because Tommy truly believed that. And so li- Freddie says, my God. You actually believe that. Yeah, lowers his gun because it like all of a sudden like it just dawns on him it, like that's what you believe. It emotionally and so he lowers, yes, and he lowers his gun and disarms him. Mm-hmm. And he says, I love her, Tommy. I've loved her since I was nine and she was 12, and she loves me the same. Do you even know the word? Oh, the dialogue. Do you Beautiful. even know? Like, I love her. Like, do you even know the word? Because that also for Tommy throughout this this show love is a huge thing for him 
it's fleeing it's ever fleeing and Mm -hmm. you're right it's a huge theme it's this scene was so well done so beautiful we finally figure out why tommy can't stand freddie what you know and and vice versa and then tommy gets closer and says this marriage will not last and he walks away and the resentment it just answers everything the resentment is clear that we've been worrying about this whole time and yeah it was a very very powerful Mm -hmm. So then we go to uh, Tommy walks in. Uh, Polly's laying on the couch with little Finn, and Tommy throws the 200 pound and the boat tickets on the table. And he tells her, Freddie doesn't want your money. And now the coppers are threatening to arrest Ada if we don't turn Freddie in. That's where your compassion gets you. From now on, we do it my way. And Polly just looks at him with no fear, as always, and says, Or what? Such a bad. Oh, I just love her. Uh, she is just. She is everything. Okay. Um. So then, the next scene. Uh, Tommy is just he's laying there, and he's having a flashback, and you can tell that he has smoked his opium, and um. He's jolted awake by a frantic knock at the door. And in the first uh, episode, I talked about how Tommy is doing this brown opium. And it is truly his dirty little secret. It's something he's Mm -hmm. embarrassed of. It's something that he does not bond over people with this. He doesn't do this with other people. It is truly a coping mechanism that he does in private. And uh, Danny Wisbang knocks at the door. Tommy jolts awake. He hides his, you know, paraphernalia and, um, you know, starts talking to Danny. And he asks Danny what's going on in London and, um, you know, what's the news from London? And Tommy says that he was in London at the Mother Red Cap pub, which is an Irish pub. He said that he was talking to an old bloke about Birmingham and he found out there had been trouble and that an IRA man was shot. And that their high command thinks it was the Peaky Blinders that shot him. So Danny caught the next boat up to warn him. And Danny asks Tommy if it's true. And Tommy says, no, it's not true. But lies travel faster than the truth. Is that not a word? That is, I mean, oh my gosh. That was such a great line. I have that line written down too. I was like, that is such a great line. It is. It's so true. It's so true. Yes. Even in 2022, and Tommy tells Danny to get a message to them, and he says, tell them to send someone to Parley that is that there's been a misunderstanding and that they don't want any trouble. And then here is, a, again, a very powerful moment where Danny says, you have enough troubles, Tommy. The whiskey, the smoke, I use it sometimes myself. I call it my sweetheart. They, um, let me see. So Tommy's laying, you know, before he comes in, he's laying there, he's sleeping, he's dreaming about being in the tunnels, he's having a flashback, you hear the shovels hitting the wall, and you that's the scene where you see Freddie take a bullet for Tommy, and it's just, it's so sad. And they're sitting there talking, you know, bonding over the fact that they use this coping mechanism, and, you know, they say, we got the worst job, Tommy, and Tommy says, and we effing volunteered. Mm-hmm. And Tommy says, sometimes it lasts all night. I lie here and I listen to the shovels and the picks against the wall there. 
And I pray that the sun will come up at the curtains before they break through. That just like breaks my heart. Like that he is literally plagued, right? Right, right. All I the mean, time. And, and you that and then and, and then the camera pans to the wall. That's just and a plain you just wall, hear that this wall just a plain wall. Yeah. Wallpaper. And it's just you hear that click, 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 you know, of the of the shovels hitting the the earth. And it's just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, and it's like this literal inanimate object, this this wall that is decorated. It's you know, has little trinkets there, it has stuff on the wall. And that is what's keeping you up at night. You really can't even find peace at night unless you smoke no. opium. And it's just he and Danny bond over that. Then we see Tommy in the next uh, scene. He's asleep. He's jolting. You can tell he's not having a restful sleep. And then while this is happening, it's daylight. And he wakes up and he has a note by his bed. And it says, I will do my duty fit. And that is from Danny Wisbang. And then we just see Tommy staring at that freaking wall again. And he just hangs his head and we hear a little bit of a whimper. And it's just so sad. Yes. Like you don't see him cry a lot in this, in this show, but there's this, you could tell that that's what he was doing. Um, When he hung his head, you kind of hear that whimper, that cry, like, this is so plaguing me. This is just, it's so there. And as much as he would like to shake it, he doesn't know how. Yeah, no, it is just my heart breaks for him and every single person in real life and in this show that is struggling with with that. Because the war, it's like literally the war is in your head, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's shattering. So then Tommy, the next scene, Tommy is at the garrison and he's sitting in his, you know, private room and Grace walks in and tells him that Ada was there worried and looking for Tommy and Freddie. And she says that Ada is in a tough position. She's worried about her because she's pregnant. She needs to stay calm. And Grace says that women talk and that men should talk too. And she says that men always tell barmaids everything, all their problems. And she asks him what's really going on between him and Freddie. And Tommy just straight up ignores her and picks up the paper and tells her to meet him at the garrison tomorrow at 9 a.m. And then he asks asks her if she bought a dress and how it looks and that's kind of the end of the scene and I'm just like so ready for them to get to the races at this point oh I know I think the thing was that like that whole little like you know he didn't even answer and I was like rude I know I love (laughs) but then I love how he asked about the dress and like she gets a smile on her face and then it's like looks good like oh you're like get to the scene get to them going to the racing yes and then the next scene is just and i'm sure i know you have thoughts on it um the next scene is just beautiful it just shows them like the juxtaposition of them each getting ready individually oh, i loved it was that i not loved it the, it's that I, it was. music and they're just individually the slow motion and just yes. how, how it was all just being encapsulated in this, these moments it was so good everything it was, it was so like good. it was almost like ritualistic watching them like watching him shave watching them you know yes. wash off like with hot water watching her powder her face and put on face. her stockings and I know I just I felt myself like my head tilting like as you know the camera would move and pan to something else my head would tilt with it and it was just like a very graceful flowing it was just very flowing very right? it was a beautiful and scene. it was beautiful to see the two of them getting you know ready separately and then the scene where he's going to charlie to get the car and i love that Mm -hmm. because he was just like 
this only seats four. You're gonna need more men than that. And he was like, It's just me and a girl. Yeah. Like, oh, I, oh I just loved it. Oh god. I love them so, so good. It was a beautiful <laughs> scene. They were, you know, dressed to the nines. Tommy is complete, you know, completely dressed with his holster, his gun holster. And um, you know, Grace looks gorgeous. And yes, so beautiful, dressed, both of them meticulously dressed and prepared, stunning hair, makeup, all of it. And then we see another scene where Arthur and John are meeting, I'm going to say like at a yard of some kind, they're meeting outside and they are there to brief the men on that day's task at the races. And Johnny asks his brother out loud, Johnny, what is our mission? And Johnny says, to stick it to the Lee family, Arthur. And <laughs> Arthur says that he's going to show Kimber how it's done. And then he opens a trunk and says, take what you're good at to all the guys. Meaning this trunk is full of weapons. Take what you're good at using. Take it and only trust Kim. So then Tommy and Grace walk into the races the back way. And Grace is kind of scared. She's like, should we be back here? You know, what's happening? And he tells her to do the talking and to lie if she stopped and to say that he's Prussian and speaks no English, no English, <laughs> no English. And he tells her, come on, posh girl, earn your three quid. <laughs> like whatever you want, sir. You don't have to pay me. Um, <laughs> I'll do it for free. I'll do it for free. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Oh my God. I love it. So Grace and Tommy are standing in this fancy club with just everything is just done to the hilt. And you see, you know, the live band, the musicians, the music, everything's decorated, gorgeous. And Tommy says he still prefers the garrison. And then he asks if she dances. I've got a little flirty. And to which she replies, if I'm asked properly. And so then Tommy smirks, which is so hot. And he refers to her as her alias for the day, which is Lady Sarah of Connemara. And he says, will you dance with me? And she says, yes. And you can tell in this moment that she's starting to feel some things for for Tommy Shelby. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You can definitely see it. Like the way she now looks at him. Yeah, the shift is happening. Even when they got into the car in the beginning the stolen glances that they would look at each other like yes, you can God. start to see this <laughs> you start to see this shift in how she feels about him I think she was like when she came in she had a really preconceived notion of who he was and so she was sticking to that but she's starting to see this vulnerability in him this kind of softness in him she's kind of starting to see him and so you see that shift as they start to dance because the way that they're looking at each other while they're dancing is just so very sweet so their relationship sweet. and the the two of them when they are in a scene together it's magical for me i hey, love oh it god. oh my god same oh, i love it me too <gasps> it's getting hot in here okay. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we need to stop it oh my god i love no, it no so not much. at all so, no, 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 let's keep going. Never stop. Keep going, keep going. Okay, so they're dancing. She is feeling everything emotionally for him. And they start dancing, you know, to a, a quick little, you know, it's a fast-paced song. And so I'm sure Tommy is, in, of course, he's enjoying this moment. But Tommy is business, a business first man. And he is making sure that they are dancing in Kimber's sight. And Billy Kimber notices them and tells, it, tells his advisor, uh, Roberts, 
And Robert says, he has some balls, that one. And Kimber looks at Grace and says, and she's got some body, that one. Disgusting. Mm-hmm. Uh. Okay. Right. So then we see the scene cuts to the Lees doing their thing, causing havoc and stealing. And one of the men attacks another man in the bathroom. And this is what they meant by chalking, because I did not know. So he basically pushes a man up against the wall and says, here's chalk for your blackboard. And then he gives him chalk and reaches into his um, coat, into his pocket, and pulls out a wad of money. And he goes to leave and in, you know, barges Arthur and the Peaky Blinders, and they attack him. And they brutally cut off a piece of his ear. And Arthur says, no more chalking on Billy Kimber's boys. We're the protection now, which was so like, yes, Arthur, you're getting that moment, baby. Here you are included. I loved that. So he cuts off a piece of his ear and he he saves the, you know, he says, you'll need your ears to listen. So if you do this again, I'll cut off the, (laughs) I'll cut off the The rest of it. Oh my gosh. It's so (sighs) crazy though. I know. And Arthur holds up a bag from one of the Lee brothers that he just took and says, I commandeer this stolen money by order of the Peaky Blinders. And then we just see Arthur loaded down with bags and busting through a door and running. And then while that's happening, Grace and Tommy are dancing and Grace says, either you left, either your left leg is stronger than your right or we're planning a getaway. And Tommy, before you know (laughs) it, they're at a door and Arthur is opening up the door and slinging down everything that he has recovered from the lease. It's full of money. Arthur tells them that they ran the Lee boys off and they got every penny back. So this scene, I don't know to me, Kristen, it was so funny. So Tommy approaches Billy Kimber and the table he's been sitting at with his advisor and lady friend the whole time. And Tommy pours the money out on the table and Billy is kind of confused. And Tommy tells him that the money was rescued from the Lee brothers and is being returned to him with a request for a fair hearing. So this is the time he finally gets his business proposal that we've been leading mm-hmm. up to. And he tells Kimber that his own protection is failing as he's demonstrating right there with all the physical evidence. And Tommy proposes that from now on, Kimber contracts out the Peaky Blinders for his racetrack security. He says he'd be saving him. He emphasizes tons of money. And here are Tommy's demands. He says, in return, the Peaky Blinders will be given 5% of the take and three legal betting pitches at every race meeting north of the River Severn, rising to six after one year if we're all satisfied with the service. And how pissed was Kimber after he said that? Like, his face? Oh, my God, his face. Well, just immediately dropping the the bags down. He's just, like, looking at him like, what the you know, and, and his his little advisor sitting next to him too was like looking at him like, oh my gosh. But yeah. it was it was so funny because it was he was so pissed. Yeah, no, um, he really was. You were like, well, because you know he's all about having the upper hand on everybody, yep. and whereas right now Tommy just literally had the upper hand on him. So yeah, he's not liking the situation at this point. Yeah, no, he literally was like, hey, you've been getting. You know, a fast one pulled on you. Here's evidence. It's been happening for a while. And then Kimber is mad. He knows he's right, but he's not going to admit it. And he says, mm-hmm. um, he tells Tommy, talk to my accountant for business deals. And Kimber says, like a child, I want to dance and walks away. And he approaches Such Grace. Such a child. 
oh my god i want to dance like okay go throw your throw your little tantrum he approaches grace at the bar and says tommy said it was okay for me to have this dance and you know he's he's dancing tommy's just sitting there smoking while talking to kember's accountant and you know this is a possible deal billy walks up and says let me throw a small condition into the mix and so then ah. it to, uh, we already know what's coming, right? Because the, the conversation you can't hear. So we see Grace at the bar and you can't hear what conversation is being had between Kimber and Tommy. Um, but I think we can all infer what's happening. Yes. And what's about to happen. And it's honestly heartbreaking. And Tommy approaches Grace and tells her that they're going to Kimber's for dinner, but that he has business to settle with the accountant first. And for for her to go ahead with Kimber without him. And Grace gives him a knowing stare because she's no fool. Grace knows what's going on. And Tommy asks if that's all right and that he'll throw in an extra three quid for her time. It's going to cost more than that. I'm just going to say. It's going to cost more than that. I I, I was like so disheartened <laughs> at this point. Three I was like, quid? That's not even enough. That's not even enough. Not... <laughs> Not even like just the concept. It's not just, even in I the was heartbroken. Park, not even I in the was parking heartbroken lot. Heartbroken at this point. I, I really know. was. I know. And so Grace says, You think I'm a whore? And then I have quoted this on my Instagram. The best line. It is one of the most profound for me, profound because there are zero lies told with and you know what I'm about to say. No lies. To which Tommy replies, everyone is a whore, Grace. We just sell different parts of ourselves. Mm. Here he is preaching so on deep. this Sunday. That line so is deep. profound. It is real. And if you're honest with yourself, so you know that it's true. Whether emotionally, physically, mm-hmm. we're selling our services. Intellectually, yes. Right. I mean, like, literally, it's it's an incredible profound real deep line that i literally it is in my head and i say it every now and then yeah it and, was good and, oh god <laughs> chills every time so then basically you know grace is pretty um astounded at the audacity and he tells her as she should be of course of course to assume that and then to assume that she'd be down for it and he basically tells her right. get over it this is part right. of the deal it's part of the deal that Kimber gets you for two hours. You do whatever you want, kick him in the balls. Ugh. But you wanted to work for me. And if you want to do that, you need to sharpen This is up. what it entails. Yes. And then comes the disgusting line that, again, just is disgusting. It is so Ugh. crass. It is so gross. But it makes me hate Kimber even more, which, again, just speaks to the acting, to the writing. And... Tommy confirms with Kimber that he has a deal. He can have Grace for two hours. Kimber tells Tommy he can sweeten the deal by trying out his lady friend who's at the table. But then he says, this is so gross. Kimber says, side bet. 10 pounds say, I have her effed in one. In one hour. Talking about Grace. Like, so degrading. Like, she's some object. She's not a human. Like, and you so know disgusting. What's, what's sick, Kristen? One of the things I love about this show is like what I just said and what he just said, like reciting that line, is still relevant in 2022. People so still think like this. Relevant. It's so it's so sad. People really think like that. That other they still people think like that. Are property and are just there for the taking. Like, what does Whenever. that even mean? <laughs> like 
it's it just is so disrespectful. So disrespectful. So disgusting. So crass. So, um, here is really just one of the climaxes of this episode, and it Ugh. it's terrifying, but quickly goes to kind of funny and how it's handled. So we see Tommy driving. And then he parks the car and he is sitting there with uh, Kimber's lady friend. Forgive me. I don't. Is that think a, her name. wife? Like, I don't think she's named, but is that his wife? That's not his wife. Though, I right? don't like, think so because I don't get the impression, but I don't, I might be wrong. I just, the, she, the way that she was talking, it was like, when he found me, yeah. I was a millionaire. And so I don't know. Like, I no, was like, is this his wife? Question. I got the I'm impression. I'm like, is that his that she was just like, you know, a lady friend because he doesn't seem like somebody to me that has like commitments, you know, unless they're business. No, right. And I don't know, but I felt like she was like his wife, like because the way he, because she was making hats prior to meeting him and now she's, right. but she was, but she, but as, I'm sorry, you like you were talking about, but as, as like you hear the t- her conversation back with Tommy that she was, you know, she get, she understood what was happening right now. Oh, yeah. No, and it's honestly, my heart broke for her as she talked because they're yes. sitting there. She just looks so sad. She looks so sad. And, um, you know, Tommy's there. He's intently looking out the window because he is very worried about what's happening inside that house. And, you know, what's possibly happening to Grace and the woman says to Tommy, I bet he said you could have me. That's the arrangement, isn't it? Yours might be a prostitute, but I'm not. And I just felt for her. Like, mm-hmm. you know, she's to feel like she's demeaned down to only her sexual worth. And I don't mean I don't mean that in a way like, oh, being a prostitute sad or sex workers. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying, like, for her to feel like that's all she's worth, whenever worth. that's the mm-hmm. case, makes me sad. So sad. And Tommy, you know, she says that she was a milliner before he found her. And she says she made this hat. And Tommy says, it's a pretty hat. It really is. But he says it without even looking at her because all he cares about is what's happening in that house. Because you know now that it was a shift. While they were driving, while they were dancing, there's now a shift. And I think he now starts to regret what he just did. Oh, 100%. Because the thing is, he's so used to having the upper hand. And with Grace, he doesn't because he truly doesn't know what she is. Right. He can't figure it out. And, and he so, says that because she yes. goes, is she a prostitute? He goes, I don't know what she is. Exactly. God's honest truth. I don't know what she is. And it's driving him crazy because he can always figure everything and everyone out. And he can't do that with her. He, yeah. No, he can't. He literally, it's, he does not have the upper hand. So then we get to a very, very troubling, upsetting scene where Grace is in Kimber's house and she looks, she's standing out the window. She looks in her purse, which has another gun in it. So a purse and a gun <laughs> is her MO, which I love it. And she is not happy about being there. And she looks scared. She looks unsure. And he makes her dance with him and asks, he's so condescending. And he asks so her gross. if she's ever been in a house that big before. Like, so gross. nobody cares, sir. Take your ache and get out. Oh, so gross. And then he has the audacity to break that like physical barrier and touches her face and hair. Ugh. Gagging. Yes, no, gagging. And she pushes him off and says she wants a cigarette. And this loser goes over to a table and he drops a a glass on the ground which 
is his thing, obviously, because he threw that coin at Tommy's feet and told him to pick it up in the previous episode. And he drops his glass to the ground and shatters and he tells her to pick it up. And she doesn't comply. She gets mad and she tells him to pick it up. And he tells her she's a barmaid and he wants to watch her pick up the glass. So disgusting. Disgusting. And then comes the very troubling, um, upsetting scene where he bends her over a pool table and he tries to do something that people Mm -hmm. can infer, tries to attack her. And all the while, luckily this doesn't last long, all the while she's reaching for her purse with with a gun in it. And it's a very, um, a very upsetting sight. And then luckily Tommy busts in the room and you can tell there's some kind of like butler or somebody there trying to stop him, but he busts in and Kimber is completely taken off guard and angry and asks what he's doing here because he still has another hour. And that just is so telling. Like, yes. she's bought, like, she was bought or something, like, yes. by him. Like, I have another hour. Like, she's his property for these few hours. It's just so gross. The whole, yes. just, again, the writing for him is amazing because he delivers it to a point where you're just like, you are disgusting. I hate you as a character. Yes. No, absolutely. And how this scene is played out is so brilliant because it goes from, a horrible, awful scene to what Tommy says. Oh my gosh, what he says. Girl, to try to cover it up because he realizes I can't let Grace do this. I can't let her go through with it. And he comes in and he goes, just listen to me. He says, she looks good (laughs) on the outside, but she has the clap. I swear. I was going to let you go through with it, but I'm a good man and my conscience got the better of me. And I couldn't let you go through with it. And Billy is just shook. Horrified. He's he looks silent. at her like, <laughs> like he, he puts his hand to his chest. Like, oh my God. Like, ugh. like shook. Right. And then Grace like now is- he's disgusted. Like you, you have the audacity now to be disgusted. Like, no, no thank really. you. And he is there and Grace is just feeling so many emotions. Like she was almost just sexually assaulted she was saying now she's now humiliated. She's, yeah, humiliated. She's humiliated, saying that she has the clap, which is chlamydia, and um, no syphilis. It's syphilis. Oh my god, you're right. Oh my god, it's syphilis. Okay. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry, viewers. The clap is syphilis. <laughs> Why did I just say chlamydia? Whatever. I don't know, but yeah, never no, mind. No, but it, yeah, yeah, because he's like, no, he and I think it was Kimber who was like, no syphilis. He's like, yeah, and I'm like, oh god. Oh my God, that is hysterical. I mean, it, okay. Yes. She All the way gross, but like it's the clap. No, 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 no. That's right. No, we need to know that that's syphilis. Um. Okay. <laughs> so then he is pissed. just. She is pissed. She's pissed. She's mortified. Wait a minute. Oh, wait a minute. Kristen, we're both wrong. It's gonorrhea. Oh my god! <laughs> so they say syphilis in the show. In the show, they say syphilis. Wait, does he? Yeah, he says syphilis. Okay. So that that there's an error there. That's messed up. All right, y'all. All we know. But she is has something. Grace. She has something. Nobody else wants. Grace has the clap, y'all. And. She said. <laughs> 
you know what? I'm cutting none of this out. Y'all deserve to hear all of it. And all of our unhinged glory from my closet floor. She has the clap. She is mortified. And he tells her, get out, go to the car. And she is mad. She grabs her purse and says, I can walk on my own. Snatches it from him. Oh, (laughs) she snatched it. And then Tommy, you know, says, hey, can we just shake hands and forget this ever happened? And Kimber just literally (laughs) stares at him, like doesn't even raise his hand, just looks at him. And Tommy's just like, right. And then walks out. And walks out. (laughs) Okay. So then you see Grace and Tommy drive off. And then this is just describe this moment to me of the dialogue that's in that car. That is the moment that three things that truly, truly begin where it's like, okay, describe this shit for me, Kristen. So, okay. So they're now driving away. She's visibly angry, right? She is visibly angry as she should be. She's, he, he gave her to Kimber for two hours to be whatever happened to her. Thankfully, though, he ha- like he has a change of heart. So, and she says that she's like, you know, what? Why did you change, Tommy? What changed your mind? What changed for this? You know, and it was yeah. just like, and yeah. he doesn't say anything through this whole thing. He says nothing, and it's just all her. It's her dialogue, her monologue that she's doing, and she's like, wants to know why. Why did he change his mind? Yes, it is. Su- it's one of those moments where you see a shift in both of them. She realizes mm-hmm. that he's not the cold-hearted person that she thought that thought he, he was going to be. be. Nope. She has a total new like outlook on him. He's not the monster that Campbell has made him to be or anybody else has made him to be. He truly is. There's something different about him. Yeah, because he that basically she just like I think I think it's safe to say that he kind of in that scene saved her life. I don't know if Kimber would have murdered her physically, but if he had succeeded no, he what he was about was to, trying do, to do, he would have yeah. emotionally murdered her with that yeah. horrible experience. And then of course the PTSD that follows that type of horrible experience. And yeah, she says, you're an effing bastard offering me like that. But then you mm-hmm. change your mind. Why did you change wow. your mind, Thomas? And he just stares ahead. And she and she driving. she said his government name. She said Thomas. She said why? Thomas. Like she was mad. Like she was and rightfully so. Oh my god. Yeah, no. Rightfully so. Like she's like she's been humiliated. She's basically been sold off like a prostitute. Like she was pimped out. And now really? like you know, he comes back to save her. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, I l- listen, listen. So I can't hard. let you go through this because, you know, he now has had a change of heart. Because you see him sitting in that car with that, with Kimber's girl. Yep. And he is like looking out. And I think he's like, at that point, like, this is not okay. Like, right. I realize I myself, what am I doing? like, I myself, what am I doing? This is not okay. Right. Absolutely. Because when he said, I don't know who she is, that's where you see it cut to the scene. And I think for him, that was like, he doesn't know who she is to him mm-hmm. and he doesn't know who she is just in general, but really he didn't know who she was or what she was going to be to him. Like he has that change. Yes. And absolutely. you see that. It was so powerful because I feel like that that's truly where their journey together begins. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, because that's completely where it changed for the both of them. And now it's something completely different. Yep. And then Tommy and Grace just keep driving down the road. And the song Red Right Hand starts play as they continue driving. And yep. that's the end of recapping episode scene. And <laughs> scene. Kristen, is there anything in this episode that you feel like we didn't talk about or like a scene that you thought was oh my funny gosh. or anything? We well, I, I did think the, the one scene where when um, Arthur was, you know, lining the boys up and talking to him, he's asking John, like, what are you going to do today? And that's like little Finn right there, right? I thought yeah. it was hilarious where he's like, go get what you need. And, and little Finn goes and gets out like this paddle, like he's about to join yes. the situation. I like, it was just funny. That. Like, he, like, picks it up, and he looks at it. He kind of, like, shakes his head, like, yeah, this is the right one. Like, no, sweet pea. This baby. You are not this, going to battle. Yeah, with this You are not going to like, battle. As big as him. As big as him. The thing was bigger than his head. And we're like, no, honey. No, no. You're not. Put it no, down. No. Get back in Put the it down. But, like, right. that was Go. just normal. That you was, know? like, it that was... was one of my, like, there's, a, there's those moments of those funny scenes where you're just like, are you serious? Like, little boy. <laughs> You know, you're not going anywhere. You're I not going totally anywhere. Noticed that. Like, but that that was a good one. But no, I think we talked about it all and it because it was all so good. It oh God, it was so great. Kristen, I love you. I'm so happy you're here. It has Thank been so you. Much I fun. love you too. I oh my god, this is the best. We'll do this again. Absolutely. Um, so okay, tell followers I repost Kristen stuff all the time. Um she's incredible. Kristen, tell the followers where they can find you. Please, anything that you want to talk about yourself, please let them know where they can find you and what's up. So you can find me on Instagram primarily um, at Spilling the Tea with Reese. I am a teacher just spilling the tea on life in general, as real as it can or I can be with it all. Um, And I have an Etsy shop, um, Spilling Tea with Reese. And I have all sorts of fun little shirts and things you know that I can have going on there so yes y'all That's I'm me. wearing her shirt right now her design that says nope, nope. and it's genuinely <laughs> one of my favorite shirts I'm literally podcasting from my closet in that shirt <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's so cute and I love thank her you design. thank you everybody follow her everybody buy merch from her Kristen thank you for being here I hope you have Hi, a great rest of your you. Sunday Thank you. You too. This was fun. I had a great time. Yes, ma'am. I'll talk to you soon. Yes, ma'am. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of By the Order. I hope you tune in next time as I discuss episode four. If you would like to know where you can find me, I am on Instagram at the Neighborhood Hype Girl. Come on over. We would love to have you. By the Order is written, edited, and hosted by me, the Neighborhood Hype Girl. Thank you so much for listening. I'll talk to you soon.